Liverpool in grey. I'm sure their football this season will be far from that. You're seeing a team now in a different strip. Officially, we're told, it's because the United players couldn't spot each other well enough. I think the worst thing that needs is when uh, there are some crazy fans then that, that, that try to be designer and uh, just you do you they cannot understand what you're doing. So they change every time your design. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Football Kit Podcast. I'm Dennis from Museum of Jerseys. And I'm Les from Hull City Kits. In this episode, we'll take a look at a Mexican brand making waves in their homeland. We talked to goalkeeper Scott Brown about the various jerseys he's worn in his career, including the current Port Vale one designed by insufferable pop wastrel Robbie Williams. And we set our kit mashup judging gaze upon the Rossoneri of AC Milan. Okay, let's begin by looking at the most notable kit brand on Netflix. Charlie says that if ever you see a box of matches lying around, tell Mummy because they can hurt you. So, Les, what's caught your eye recently? Well, I've been watching a few football documentaries of late. The Diego Maradona one from 2019, the, the Brian Clough one, I believe, in Miracles. My name is Francesco Totti, which incidentally had my quite emotionally expressive partner in tears despite the fact that she's got no investment in Roma <laughs> whatsoever perhaps beyond me buying a this year's home shirt because I wanted to enjoy it vicariously <laughs> and as a result the ever listening devices and the algorithms have worked together to suggest that I might like Maradona in Mexico on Netflix and frankly I did it's it's a lot of fun you know, you've got Diego, Diegoing as only he can, while he's managing a second division Mexican side called Dorados of Sinaloa. What really piqued my interest beyond the predictable histrionics from Maradona was the kit brand Charlie. They supply Dorados and their logo is absolutely ubiquitous in the seven part series. Mention of Sinaloa reminds me of Narcos and Narcos is obviously about the drug trade and cocaine. I hope Charlie has no link to that powdery substance. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, they, they started out as a shoemakers, which, you know, obviously is the starting point of many a kit brand. Um, they started back in 1950 in Mexico City. So not, not Sinaloa-based, but they later moved to Leon, which is in central Mexico, and that's known for its leather industry and shoemaking. And they became known as Campanita, which is interesting, because that's what they call Tinkerbell from Peter Pan in Spanish-speaking countries. But they changed the name of the brand to Charlie in 1977. 2010 changed the, the company's fortunes. They cut a deal with Skechers to make trainers for them, because Skechers were finding tariffs on goods from China meant it just wasn't economical to have them made in China and imported so they started having them made in Mexico by Charlie and that gave Charlie scope to massively expand their operations and in 2014 they created Charlie Football and 
impressively, given that it's such a short space of time, they've supplanted the usual suspects as the most prominent supplier to the Mexican leagues. And it's quite a big market. You know, it's the fourth most attended football league in the world. And Charlie currently make the kits for five of the top division teams, Atlas, Pachucha, which are amusingly nicknamed the Gophers, Queretario, Santos Laguna and Club Tijuana, who are known as Cholos. And they have a presence in the lower leagues too, including Dorados, which was the side managed by Maradona. Oh, okay. Um, very impressive uh, progress by them. And how did Diego get on with Dorados? Well, I'm not one to post spoilers, Dennis, so I'm going to have to watch that on Netflix. Okay, I'll add it to the watch list. What's interesting is um, Maradona in Mexico isn't the only show on Netflix that features Charlie Kitt. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, a, a shrewd marketing move, but the supplied kits for a fictional club in another Netflix series called Club de Juevos, or Club of Crows, which reminds me a little bit of when the kits of Harchester United on Sky One's Dream Team were produced first by Pony, then Lecoq Sportif, and later Valsport. Well, all I can say is I hope that Club de Juevos don't suffer too many bus crashes or stadium fires. <laughs> I did the opening ceremony yes, of a thing called good. the World Cup. Yes, yes. small little thing. Nice. And, and I thought to myself, it would be, it's really important at these kind of things to not cause an international incident. We talked to kit designers in our first two episodes and we thought it was time to canvas the views of someone who wears the end product. So today we're joined by a goalkeeper who has made over 500 appearances in the English and Scottish leagues, formerly of Cheltenham, Aberdeen and Wickham, it's the current Port Vale netminder, Scott Brown. Thanks for joining us, Scott. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on. Scott, you, you first came onto our kit-bothering radar when you, you featured on a piece in Dennis's Museum of Jersey's website written by Phil Bowers. And the piece was covering one-off goalkeeper kits. And it mentioned that ahead of the Crawley game, in December 2019, you had the foresight to know that with both clubs supplied by Erea, there was going to be a kit clash. Now, that's the kind of kit geekery that we admire in a professional. <laughs> Tell us about this incident, if you can. Um, well, last year it was weird because obviously we're made by Erea, Crawley made by Erea, and we both had identical goalkeeping kits. So we both had the blue one and the burgundy one. Um and obviously, if Cat was wearing Glenn Morris, his nickname's Cat. So uh, if Glenn was wearing the blue one, which I'm, I assume they do with the home kit, because we wouldn't have been able to wear the burgundy because Crawley play in like a dark reddy colour. So I was thinking straight away, this is going to cause problems. And our kit man, he's, he has heart attack laying out two kits at the best of times. So I thought I'd best let him know early doors. Uh, and then managed to sort a, a one-off yellow one, but. Sadly, they only had a size, I think it was quadruple XL or something like that. It made me look like a little boy again, skinny as anything. <laughs> uh, but it was bright yellow and they've actually kept it as a, as a spare fourth kit this year. But with the kits that we've got this year, I don't think there'll be any any colour clashes because Robbie Williams has, has designed all the Port Vale kits this year. And um, yeah, some, some interesting designs anyway. Now, was obviously something that's, that's of interest. I suppose it drew more widespread attention than a normal Portfail kit launch would, would draw. Um, the fact that Robbie was involved and there was the pictures of him from the 90s wearing the, the shell suit with the same kind of uh, chessboard design. So, like, did he have a lot of input into it? From what I'm told, he 
he was the main go-between between the club and Araya. So he was pretty much in control of it all, really. Like the, the home goal kit this year is gold and black. And I think because the owners knew that I was a Wolves fan. Okay. <laughs> so they wanted it something like, so they always keep saying to me, I oh, see you're happy playing in a Wolves kit for Port Vale sort of thing. Uh, and then they and he wanted it just with the, the patterns on, just something. Because you know what it's like, you get the standard, even with Adidas and Nike, you get the standard, bog standard, and it's the same for every team in different colours. But this is the best thing about the our kit this year. There's nobody out there that's got, it's quite unique because nobody else has, has got one like that. And like I say, you, you see all the teams in our league that are sponsored by Real, like your Crawleys and your, your Cheltenham's, they're all the same, but in, in different colours, whereas ours is, is, is unique, really. And it's, um, I think next year, just hopefully that clubs will realise that you can go to that bit extra effort and design your own kit and, and make it a bit more novel than just the basic standard standard sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think goalkeeper kits, especially, have kind of really become standardised across the board. The like you might see Adidas maybe give their top tier teams a special colourway of the design everyone has, but other than that, it's kind of catalogue stuff. And you mentioned Wolves, obviously, and you you are from Wolverhampton, Wolves fan, and you were a schoolboy at Wolves. What kit did they have when you when you joined? Mike Stowell was the the Wolves goalie at the time and I, I loved him it was it was like a, a black one with like a black sleeve with like all sorts of colours on it sponsored by Goodyear uh, but back then they, were, they had the matching like the same shorts and socks as the outfield players sort of thing so and I think Stowley was one of the first ones to to actually like go to the kit man and say can I wear a different pair of shorts to socks sort of things as, as the outfield lads because the they didn't really have. I think Admiral was when I came into the youth team. It was, it was Admiral, the same like lime green one, uh, and they're sponsored by Doritos at the time. So it was like Admiral in the green with green shorts and black socks, and then the other one was blue mm-hmm. with 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 Doritos on sort of thing. So again, pretty standard. Yeah, the the first one I ever remember wearing was the the Goodyear's one. It was like green and all sorts of colours for. Looking back now, for a goalie kit of that era, it was quite quite a smart one, considering the the you used to get the plain green Gordon Banks sort of style ones, and uh, that was probably one of the more um, better ones at the time. See, it's quite fascinating. You mentioned there, you know, the the ninety three ninety four rule states that you know goalkeepers must be wearing something that distinguishes them from their own players, not just the opposition. That addition to law four irritates me because I. I miss the days of goalkeepers being visually connected to the outfield players with the same shorts and socks. So it's fascinating to hear of a, of a goalkeeper saying, no, I don't want to do that. That's what he wanted to do, I think, at the time. I, I don't know if he went to the kit man or the kit man went to him or, or whatever, but one week he was wearing the same as the outfield lads. And then the next it was, or whatever, it was just totally different. So um, I guess every his personal preference and everyone's different. Yeah, I think now we're just used, so used to seeing goalie kits different to the to the outfield players. That if you said now to a 10, 11-year-old that 20 years ago goalies used to wear the same shorts and socks as, as the outfield lads, they wouldn't believe you, I don't think. I wonder if it's Peter Schmeichel's fault, you know, going up forward, um, you know, late on in games to, to get equaliser. Maybe we need a bit more distinction. <laughs> it's funny, like, because I think we played Walsall on Saturday. And the Warsaw goalie had sort of like a orangey yellow, a, a rear, it was a plain 
all orange and yellow and I had the, the gold home kit on. And he made me change kit at about quarter to three because he said, if you're 1-0 down in the last minute and you go up for a corner, I can't distinguish between you you're punching the ball, even though it's a totally different shade. And it, it, in the end, he made me put purple on. And he had a purple top. The ref had a purple top on. <laughs> so I just don't see, like, it's just, yeah, it's crazy how, how picky they are with everything. But I guess from a from a goalie's point of view, the only good thing is that means you get, you, most clubs have got to have three goalie kits, so you get more to choose from. So it's, uh, it's one way of looking at it anyway. Would you have much input into which colours are, are chosen? Not really. If we're going through a bad run, which we are at the minute, uh, like Saturday, we've won the orange one, I think, the last three or four weeks. Uh, we're at home Saturday, so um, I might go to the kit man, say, tomorrow and say, look, we've, I'm a bit superstitious like that. Can we wear something? Can we wear the green or the purple? Because we, we can't seem to buy a win or a clean sheet in, in the orange one. Can we can we try something different? And he might he might say yes, but it might already have been agreed with um, Southend that we'll wear orange or or whatever. Where in, in that case, then it's it's difficult to change it at the last minute. So um, yeah, I, I will be going to see him tomorrow morning. The other run we've we've been on. <laughs> I was I was looking at the kit bronze you've won throughout the career, and and Iraya are, are quite consistent in it. You yeah. know, you started at Cheltenham, and I was I was quite surprised to realise that. Cheltenham have won area consistently since 1997. They've, they've not won another brand in that time. You were in area at Port Vale, and you, the last few years you've you've featured quite prominently in quite a few kit launches. Is that is that a fun thing to do? It is until someone sends you a screenshot of your last like six or seven like photos of you every preseason, and it's exactly the same cheesy grit, cheesy smile, just your hairline's going a bit further back and. And you're getting a few more grey hairs, but no, it's um, it obviously means you, you're a good part of the club if they're asking you to to be involved in the kit launch and things like that. So I, I don't mind that at all. But it is if you look through my last, well, pretty much throughout my career, it's always the same cheesy grin and and things like that. But um, yeah, like I say, throughout my career, I have I have predominantly worn Arreo pretty much all the way through. I think Cheltenham's renowned for for being Arreo now because they've been with them for so long. And, Port Vale have chopped and changed from from a few different ones. I mean, when I first signed for Port Vale, can't remember the name of the band, brand that we had. Is it BLK? BLK, that's the one, yeah. Uh, but literally, we, we had no training kit, nothing, no match track suits or, or anything like that. Um, so it was just a bit, that was a, a bit of a shambles. And it turns out they sponsored the West Indian cricket team as well. And um, I think Sheffield Wednesday had some problems with them as well, but we didn't get training kit till nearly December time. It was it was crazy. It was really good, but I didn't. It was quite nice kit actually, which is the the worst part about it. But if they they'd have supplied the kit on time and everything, it, it would have been brilliant. But we we're all all turning up to matches in this like just a plain white polo neck with no branding on, just a like a printed on Port Vale badge and our own black joggers. So you had some lads in Nike joggers, Adidas, whatever, because we didn't have any tracksuits or anything. <laughs> we looked at proper non-league. Like, obviously, in that time, you've worn a lot of different styles of kits. Like, even you're talking about Port Vale this season, last season, kind of heavy on the design, almost 90s style. And then you've worn plain, classy ones as well. And then, of course, there was the one, the O'Neill's one at Wickham, which uh, was... Definitely unique, I suppose is the word, with the kind of the, the magic eye effect. Do you have a preference that way? And 
do you buy into, you know, you hear the talk that, oh, the pattern can put off a striker if he's through on goal, he won't know where the keeper is? Um, it was it was weird because uh, Baz Richardson, who, who designed it, he was the goalie coach at the time, and he, he's a fantastic man. And I see you got a whole a whole goalie kit on there as well, and he's obviously a whole goalie coach now at the minute, and he, he's brilliant. And the idea behind it was great, but at the same time, like you thought that the strikers would be like, well, actually, now I'm going to prove this wrong, prove you were wrong. I'm going to put it in the corner or, or whatever. But you don't know if that played into their mind psychologically or, or whatever. But obviously, when you went to away ground, sort of thing, you knew all the pink one, get all the shouts of you, you puffer or you, you're gay or whatever sort of thing, and it, it was just a bit of banter with the fans, sort of thing. And but they were very tight fitting, so it was all right during pre-season. But when it comes to Christmas, just after Christmas, and you you had a good Christmas dinner, it wasn't so flattering on the eye. But no, we got promoted. We ended up getting promoted in it, and um, everyone that I speak to always asks me if I've got any spare shirts of them. But I've given them, I've given them all away. I tried to get in contact with the the guy, the old kit man at Wickham, but they've got none in the shop. So it just shows you what a, what a popular seller it was. So now, even I went on the UEFA, I did my UEFA B. And they did a, a segment on goalkeeper kits and psychology and things like that. And okay. un, unbeknownst, I was just daydreaming, what a load of rubbish this is. <laughs> like, and it, I'm here to learn about goalie coaching. And then up popped up me on the screen, like with this cheesy grin on, <laughs> like with the, this kit on. So, uh, no, it's crazy how far that kit went. And like, that's the worst thing about the kit launch. I got like, on Twitter, they were saying I look like Dean Gaffney and and things like that. I was like, oh no, this is not what I need at all in my life. Yeah, it was really good. And like I said, we got promoted. But the worst thing was when it was sunny, the flies got attracted to the to the brightness of the kit. So if you looked at me Sundays where like it was a really hot day and they loved the bright colours, you just seen me squatting about like that in the goal. You'd probably think I had Tourette's or something. Um, <laughs> But no, it was uh, yeah, it was really bright, and it, it certainly got some attention anyway. Bo Myhill, latterly of of West Brom, he wouldn't wear the light blue Hull City keeper jersey from two thousand and eight two thousand and nine because he he said he he thought it looked girly, and he stuck with the previous season's designs. Have there been any seasons where you've you've seen the goalkeeper kits for the coming season, and you went, well, I'm not wearing that one. When I was at Aberdeen, they had an all-black one, and Jim Layton at the time was the goalie coach, and you, he'd only let you wear black boots. And I really didn't like the look of being all in black with black boots, with black sock tape on, and I'd try my hardest not to wear that. Even though it was a really smart kit, if I could have worn different socks or, or different boots with it, then I'd have been happy. But I just felt like I looked like a a FIFA or Sabutio goalie, just all in the black. And I was just really, I said to the kit man, just anything possible not to not to wear that kit. But it's funny you say that about Bo Myhill and the thing, because again, on the UA for B, Eric Steele was on there. And they said that when Man United had the all-white kit, uh, Van der Zaar hated it, refused to wear it. So they had to bring out another one. And the compromise was that they'd all the goalies would have to go to the club shop one afternoon to to do all the signings of the new kit, like two for two or three weeks in a row because they refused to wear this kit because psychologically he didn't like it. For I can't remember exactly the reasons, but they had to bring out another kit to to keep him happy. 
amazing. And, and obviously, keepers have a lot more equipment than outfield players. Like, um, do, do do keepers still actually carry the, the glove bags with them into the into the net? Or, you don't really see those as much as more, do you? <laughs> no, not not so much anymore. I some goalies will leave their gloves with the kit man the night before or put okay. it in the, the in the boot box sort of thing. But I don't like anybody. I'm quite superstitious. I hate people touching. I don't mind my training gloves or whatever, but my match gloves, I'm like, no one's touching them. Nobody at all. I'll take them home. I wrap them in a towel. And the night before a game, this is going to sound weird. and But I'll have a bath of them the night before to clean them, put the glove stuff on to get them as clean as possible. And then like hang them up nice and dry sort of thing. But no, that's everyone's. And then I'll, I'll always have a towel. I always put it in the, the right hand side of the goal. Yeah, it's just even if it's like a bright sunny day, I'll still take the towel out and everything like that. And I always have two water bottles in the warm-up facing exactly the same way. And little things like that really annoy me if it doesn't, if it, if I can't do it, if they keep falling over or whatever. Obviously, the choice of gloves is a really big deal. So what, what do you look for in a pair and what made you choose um, Peak as your, your current choice? Well, I was with Peak at the start of the season, but with, with COVID and everything, they've had to they let me go at the start of the season. And I'm now with Precision. Who, who have been absolutely brilliant since there because obviously you lose your glove sponsor quarter of the way through the season in the COVID when there's not not much money about at all and I was really grateful Precision approached me to to wear their gloves but the main thing for me is the, the, the comfort and the grip of them uh, the grip on the Precision is absolutely brilliant you can play almost in bare hands in, in when it's like sunny or whatever and dry but when it's wet and there's a bit of a bit of juice on the ground. That's when it that's when it matters. And and thankfully, precision have been brilliant. The, the grip on them is superb. Mm. Except, for, I've got to be honest. I've not yet to find a glove that can grip a ball in snow. Because okay. once once you get that bit of snow on the ball, that bit of ice, there's nothing that I've I can I've ever found that you can. It's just like a bar of soap. Some people, some people might say I play like that all the time, but, um, <laughs> but when it's got a bit of snow and a bit of ice, a bit of ice on it, it's like we, the other week. I think it was minus two at kickoff, and now they've got the balls on the side. And I went to get one after about seventy minutes, and there was ice on the ball, and I picked it up, and I was just like, "There's nothing there." So people probably saw me like trying to kick the ball in there to get all this ice off the the ball, thinking, "What is he doing?" But no, this, honestly, just getting you know, you, next time it snows, go and get a ball and put some snow on it. And see and see if you can find a glove that's uh, it could be a niche market there. Someone who can do gloves just <laughs> know. Goalkeeper glove sales is a bit of a niche market anyway, and I, I just wondered sort of you know what the trends have been and how you've how you've seen them going. I've noticed like the the Adidas goalkeeper gloves currently they seem a lot longer. They seem to go up the yeah. forearm. There's not as much padding on the fingers as as you've you've seen previously. And sort of what what you saw the the direction of goalkeeper gloves going in. I, just, I see the cost going up and up. That's what I see mainly. And I think, like, if, imagine, say, if your kids come to you on Christmas Day in a few years' time and say, Dad, for Christmas I want a pair of these Adidas ones. It's it's 150 quid, some of them. And I think it's ridiculous. And, like, they're, you know what they're like? They're, they're going to rip after because they're so thin, like you say now, and, and that the latex on them is, is, is so thin. And it could come in Christmas, Christmas lunchtime and it, it's gone, isn't it? It's... Just a way it's just a waste of money. So um, I, I did notice one of the goalkeeper sites said save these for your most important games because they won't last. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what it. That's what it's like. And I remember when I was a kid in like in the youth team and that. You just used to go on, go on pro direct sale and buy whatever you could that was in the sale. You get my cloaks and Matt Murray were the first team goalkeepers at Wolves, and they they were both great and they both gave us gloves whenever they they could possibly and and things like that. But yeah, they were Sundico. I used to love the black and white Sundico ones. They they were brilliant, but they seem to have gone out of. They're not really there anymore, and. Yeah, Oxy wore Reebok ones as well, which were really rare. You didn't see many wearing Reebok ones. Usually ask a line and wore them, didn't he? But you didn't see many at all wearing the Reebok ones. Salesport, I went to Bristol City, Stevie Phillips wore Salesport. And then I, I went with them for a while as well. They were they were brilliant. But again, there's just there's, there's loads out there, isn't there, at the, at the minute? Yeah. Like I say, I'm really fortunate that Precision have been fantastic with me and, and um, they're, they're top people there.
and the Inter shirt that season was very dark overall as well. So much so that the first derby of the season when Milan were at home, there were a lot of complaints about the similarity of the two shirts. For the second derby, Della Madonina of the season, Milan actually ended up wearing their change kit, which is very rare in terms of local derbies. Mm. And the away was pretty much a rebadged Real Madrid home shirt, right? Pretty much exactly that, yeah. Obviously, the clubs share Emirates Airlines as a sponsor. And whereas normally Milan have red and black accents on their away kit, this time it was just gold trim. So if you just glanced at it, you would think Real Madrid and not Milan at all. Okay, but they didn't mash up in the derby though, did they? No, because Inter that season, this was the season of Nike Vapor and mismatching socks. Inter actually had yellow socks that season. In the derby, they wore black socks, thankfully. Uh, And so Milan wore all white. But it was a trip to Bologna, which is the the interesting one, because Bologna have dark blue and maroon striped shirts. Some years they have blue shorts, other years they have white. This was the year they had white. And normally that's not a problem for Milan. They just wear the black uh, shorts trimmed with red, or even sometimes they've worn red shorts trimmed with black. But it was the lack of cohesion between the home and away kits that made for such a nasty mix because the home had very little white apart from the logos. And so the Adidas stripes were a kind of a silver gray color and the black shorts that they wore with the home shirt were the same. So you were wearing those black shorts with the away shirt. Yeah, that sounds like quite a mismatch. It really was because your white shorts trimmed with gold, black shorts trimmed with silver gray. So it was, uh, I don't want to say definitively, but it was probably the reason Milan decided to go with Puma, I think, instead of Adidas. I think it has to be that. But there was at least a consolation that for their final season together, Adidas produced a marvellous set of kits, classically coloured away strip, and it was kind of a good way for Milan to remember them by. And there we have it for another episode. Incidentally, Scott Brown mentioned in his interview that he was going to wear a different colour in Port Vale's next game in order to break their poor run of form. He opted for purple against Southend and they won 5-1. So that's the power of football kits for you. So our many thanks to him for his time and insight. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.